All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. You know, you, you always recognize that uh, things like time change, etc., have an impact on uh, Sunday school attendance, but uh, we want to be consistent um, in it. So we, we are still edified in, in some sense. Let's uh, open up with a word of prayer and we will uh, begin here this morning. Our God and our Father, we come before you, we ask you to strengthen us, help us to consider what it means to be the church, help us, Lord, to be faithful to you, may we have penitent hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so we're, we're continuing with the Westminster Confession. I think last time we got predominantly through uh, 25.1, um, looking at what uh, the Westminster Confession says about the church. By way of introduction, though, I, I wanted to uh, highlight um, a couple of things. I'm sure you've read some of these statistics. Um, this one is uh, a couple of years old, March 29th, 2021. There's a uh, Gallup poll report that talks about how U.S. church membership falls below the majority for the first time. And uh, <clears throat> during this uh, poll, it says 47% of adults belonged to a church, synagogue, or a mosque. So we're not even talking Christianity itself, but in terms of membership with some type of uh, religious institution. And of course, uh, when they first started this in 1937, the, the number was uh, about in the mid-70s, 75, 76%, something like that, of the United States. Of course, I suspect, you know, as you know, all polls have, uh, you know, they're, they're limited in their reach. It just gives you a snapshot in time of a particular group. Um, you know, you, it, I think of places like in 1937, how well could they have told, you know, how well could they have researched Appalachia or other areas, rural areas, in terms of, of numbers? So it possibly could have been higher or lower. Um, today, our, because of uh, media and other things, our reach could be better, um, although they're still flawed in numbers. And of course, the, 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 there, there were a number of articles. The Gospel Coalition wrote some responses to it, some others, of course, everybody taking note. Uh, of this. It's interesting when you look at the demographics of it, the largest group that uh, dropped off is the, is the Roman Catholic Church. Um, about 20%, about 20 points, so about 20% lower. And uh, you know, that plays a role. It also talked about when you look at areas, um, the, uh, the east, particularly Virginia North were significantly, uh, significantly less, so in, in some cases al almost up to 36% less. Uh, also on, on, dem on the demographic side, um, Hispanics were considerably lower in church attendance. Now maybe some of that is tied also to the Catholic Church as well, but um, I, you know, just looking at some immigration numbers, I was trying to, to garner um, you know how immigration might impact it. Yes. Yeah. 
So the original poll was 1937. This one was 21. Yeah. So um, you know that it's been on a. But the, the, from, from a, a standpoint of years, from the year 2000 to now, so in the last 20, 20, we'll call it, well, for, to the poll, 21 years, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Huge drop off, right? It stayed right around uh, 70% with minor ups and downs until about the year 2000, and then we have this significant uh, drop off. Um, I only bring all this up to say these are uh, these are things worth considering, uh, things worth praying about, uh, things for us to recognize that asking the question of what is the church and why is it important is extremely important. I would make a very strong case that a lot of it has to do um, with a loss of inside the church itself, obviously faithfulness right but but when you minimize the sacraments when you minimize the Lord's table when you minimize baptism and and you know you don't celebrate the Lord's table every week um, you don't do the tangible witnesses uh, Jim Jordan talks about how uh, we're created in the image of the triune God and he makes the point how God designed us to, to have two or three witnesses. And of course, he talks about that when he talks about uh, justice and this sort of thing. But, uh, you know, we have a overemphasis of just the word in, in many places. And there was some additional research I came across that was talking about uh, reasons why people select their churches and this sort of thing. Um, obviously, preaching is important, and I don't want to minimize that. Of course, we only, always want to strive to better to be accurate to do it well all of those things but we want the witnesses of the Lord's table right we want to hear the word we want to hear that we want to rejoice when we see people baptized whether it's adults or children we want to rejoice in what God is doing there and we know from what the scriptures tell us that the spirit is present at the Lord's table right the spirit is at work through, through Jesus Christ Right, and not just—it's not just us to God, but also laterally to one another. And then also with the, the Spirit is present at the sacrament of baptism, and and these things are important. So we we require by by design two or three witnesses, and by word and sacrament we get two and sometimes three witnesses um, in our in our services, and and so. I, the, the, the more that we spend time um, focused on one or the other, um, we, we, we minimize those witnesses. And then, of course, what does it mean to be the people of God and how do you work that out, of course, is important. So just as a, as a point of reference, I'll read um, 25.1 that we covered last week. The Catholic or Universal Church which is invisible, consists of the whole number of the elect that have been, are, or shall be gathered into one under Christ, the head thereof, and is the spouse, the body, and the fullness of him that filleth all. And I would just make a comment just from a pastoral point of view. When we um, minimize King Jesus in our churches, right? Christ is the head. 
and we make it more about us, right, um, we, we run into difficulties. We, we weaken the church itself. Um, and so today we're going to take a look at uh, 25.2, which says this. Come on in. Glad to have you guys. The visible church, which is also Catholic or universal under the gospel, not confined to one nation as before under the law. And of course, that distinction there is simply to say, um, and, and, and as, as important as it is for us to be praying, be doing all we can to uh, be faithful Christians, and we want to see the United States repent of their sins, the peoples there have come to know Christ, that, that Christian nationalism can be good in one sense, as long as we keep in mind that, that the, the church is all Christians, right? Not just the ones confined to our nation. Um, then it says, consists of all those throughout the world that profess the true religion. And of course, for them, religion wouldn't have meant anything other than Christianity. And of their children, and is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the house and family of God, of which there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. Now, this, this, in some ways, I think sometimes we can hear these words and it can almost be off-putting, right? Um, and so um, we want to highlight a few of these things and, and talk about them here this morning. So, again, just as, as a view of things, when the Westminster Confession says... Um, the visible church, it's really just talking about um, the church that we can tangibly see right now. And obviously we can't tell the difference. No one knows a man's heart but God himself. And so um, if someone um, is baptized and professes faith, we treat them as Christians. Which means if they come to, if they come to, to sin, our goal is to call them to repentance. They're, if they're being faithful, our, our job is to encourage by way of discipleship and fellowship uh, together. Um, and and we, we need to be careful in this. Remember Jesus' admonition about the wheat and tares, right? Now, I, I, I want to make a distinction here. He, and, of course, right there, what he does is he cautions us from being too rough and by pulling out a tear that we bring damage to to the actual believers. Um, so we have to do that um, rightly. At the same time, I don't want to minimize the importance of church discipline. Church discipline must be done. Um, and you think about this, what does Scripture tell us? If we don't discipline our children, we don't discipline our son, what, is, what does Scripture say um, about how we are We hate them, right? So the same thing is true inside the church. If we don't take measures to admonish, um, to call to repentance, and um, take measures and steps of discipline up to and including um, excommunication, which is a far greater death than physical death. When you're excommunicated, cut off from coming to the table, um, it, it, is, it is supposed to be bad because we're trying not to just simply exclude someone, but we are trying to call them to repentance. So all of that being said, um, we, we want to 
understand that we are, um, you know, the, the church itself, are all the believers. And, and we thank God that God is merciful and just. Right? This is really important because, and, and when we, we get to um, the following following groupings of, of chapter 25 of Westminster, it starts talking about the church and its weakness and its failures and what does that look like. Um, the, uh, we just want to be very mindful that sometimes our standards aren't God's standards, right? And so we should be, we should be careful. There are some things that we can clearly call and say, brother, sister, you say you're a Christian, you're not living according to God's word, you need to turn and repent. Um, at the same time, um, we want to make sure that um, um, unless it's our purview, unless you, you're, uh, you know, you're an elder, you're not to fall in, in judgment of someone else and absolutely declaring them not to be Christian. And even in that, um, we have to be we have to be full of grace. All right. So if we look at uh, chapter two, there we see that there are a number of scriptures that uh, strengthen and encourage us. And that's that's what they did with the Westminster on the whole, if you're unfamiliar with it. Um, you know, they, they want, they didn't just sit around a bunch of uh, pastors and theologians and, and uh, members of parliament deciding, okay, hey, this is what we're going to do. They really wanted it to be um, according to the scriptures. So six, uh, the Westminster Confession, 1643 is when it started, 1647 is when published and of course the context remember that, that they are at war with the Catholic King who's trying to take the Church of England back to the Roman Catholic Church and uh, so part of what they're doing is they're trying to reform the church and there's a number of, of, of things that, that historically come out that are difficult but let's let's focus here so in that in that first line where it says, um, that it's all those throughout the world that profess the true religion. Um, could somebody look up 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2? Followed by someone reading Psalm 2.8. We're not going to hit every one, but I just want to hit a few verses in that. Who's got 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2? Yes, ma'am. So here Paul is clearly telling us that those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who are everywhere, they are the saints, they are the church. Psalm 2.8, Sam. about those who are called. Jesus himself petitions the Father. The Father, of course, has supported this and says, ask me and I will give those nations uh, to you. Do I need to change microphones? Okay. Okay. Um, so, so in that, we need to recognize that the church is called and it's all those who call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ everywhere. And I also want to remind us of this. 
How many of you guys have a clear space and time where you know, I wasn't a Christian on this day, and then on this day, the Lord revealed himself to me and I became a Christian? Who, who has that clear line? Okay. So, so for you, um, you, you understand what it means to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ from whence you didn't, right? Um, if, you, if, you've been, if you've grown up in the church, um, maybe you were baptized as an infant, maybe you were brought up in a Christian home where all you ever knew was Christ, you still need to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, but God is calling, and of course we saw in, in point one that they were also saying that it's, it is even to your um, your children. And so um, we, we, wanna, we want to understand that God's word uh, defines and tells us who the church is, why we're here, because God has called us and in, in his mercy. So additionally, um, we see that the kingdom of Christ, the whole house and family of God, um, out of which there's ordinary no possibility of salvation. Now, anybody have any comments or thoughts on that? Outside of the church, there's no ordinary means of salvation. Well, well, I'll assure you it actually wasn't. If you remember when we were positioned differently, even before we switched, I moved the baptismal font to by the door. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I, that was the case, but it, it yeah. feels coincidental because they're set up. That's right, that's right. But the reason being that exactly what's saying here, this is the kingdom. There is no entrance. That's right. So, and, and I think it, it even goes, yes, sir. Because it's all believers who call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ everywhere. Yes, ma'am. Well, I, I think I think we have to leave things open enough for God to uh, somebody shipwrecks on an island and all they have is the, the word of God and they're sitting there reading it. Could God save that person because they call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? The answer is yes. Right, but I'll, I'll give you an example. When we did the book um, "Get Real" for Sunday School, great book on evangelism and, and how to reach people. And uh, in that, remember that the author is had been a missionary in France to Muslim peoples, and he talked about. And I'd heard about this many times myself, where you, where people in Muslim countries or in Muslim cultures have some sort of dream. They're sleeping, they dream, they have a vision of Jesus Christ calling them and saying, go talk, go to that church over there, go over there, right? And so they do, right? But at the same time, right, they don't get saved in the dream. What is God's ordinary means? They go 
and talk to someone or the Lord put someone in their path, right? God uses people. He uses his church, his body to bring them the truth. And of course, then, um, uh, you know, they, they're, they're going to come. And for those folks, when they get baptized, they understand the power of baptism because for a Muslim person, their parents might be, if they're, if they're a little more progressive, probably aren't too worried if they're attending the church. But if they go and get baptized, they recognize the significance of what that means uh, for them and their family. Yes. That's right. Yes, sir. That's right. That's right. And and I also want to, want us to understand that after you you uh, come to Christ, the importance of staying healthy in God is with God's people. Excuse me. It's coming together. It's being together. Right? Think about this. God's ordinary means of sanctification is other people. Right? So, so, you know, I know that that's clear for a lot of you, but just to make sure that we understand this, that when we're in isolation, when, we're, when we separate ourselves from other people, and certainly separate ourselves from God's people, right, we're not being challenged about our sin. When you live with someone, whether it's your roommate or you're married, or it's your parent, right, those people challenge your selfishness. They challenge you, right? And, and they don't always come up to you and poke you in the nose. I mean, you know, my son Caleb, he loved to poke everybody, so he was always poking people. But, but it's more than that, right? So, so your selfishness. When the baby cries in the night, does that call against your selfishness of wanting to sleep? <laughs> right? Um, or... or um, you know, you come home, husbands, you come home from work, right? And, and you've worked, you're tired, you know, you want to do your thing. And yet your wife needs to be ministered to, your children need to be ministered to. And sometimes we just, if we can be totally honest, we just want to be selfish, right? So if you have two selfish people and no gospel truth with which to be, um, transformed by then your selfishness just ends up in um, turmoil and fighting right and so and so whether we're talking about even in our own household but even here you know I've heard people say I don't want to go to the church because it's, it's full of hypocrites <laughs> that that's exactly right the point is we're all sinners saved by grace <laughs> that's right that's right. But, but you know, look, I, one of my brothers who, who uh, you know, rebelled against God for a long time, long time, um, for about five years, the last five years before he got himself right with the Lord, his, his big argument was, I want to go there because I know those people, you know, they're big sinners. <laughs> and that's why they need Jesus Christ. Yes, sir.
Yeah, I, I think I think that's a good pattern. I also think too that that part of what the writer was driving at there was that um, salvation came through uh, a woman. That is, she birthed Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Clarifying that too, in terms of what. But the pattern that you're talking about is is definitely evident. Um, I also want to emphasize that uh, again, if we are supposed to be the body of Christ, we have all of these variety of of parts that we're all we're all not all of us are the same part of the body, right? Uh, but if you are the f if you're the finger and you cut the finger off, if I cut this finger off, it's not going to be alive for very long. Three months from now. Um, we can't reattach it and hope it's going to do something, right? And, and that's, we have to understand that too about being in the body and the importance of, of, of one another. I, I think a couple of things happen in relationship to, to um, the polls we were talking about, how from 2000 down to, to where we are today, while the, that there's been a continual drop-off in church membership, Okay. Um, what, what was going on at the same time? Started in the in the mid '90s and began to really take off. And in the 2000s, and the closer we get, what what what's going on culturally? Yes, Blake. Okay, that that was going on, but but I think something more more direct culturally. Internet. Who said that? Okay, that's right. I, I think the internet, right? Where where all of a sudden. The world seems to be opened up to us. That's that, that's right. What I'm saying is we have we, we have and, and the thing about the internet is is you get to create who you are. Right? You get to live in an imaginary world. You're not dealing with a complete reality there. And so um, it's amazing how many people are sharp on the internet but, but wouldn't have the the tenacity to look someone in the eye and say anything close to that, um, and but but I also think that it created this whole idea that I can do the world, I can learn the world, everything I need to know, everything I need is in the internet somewhere, right? And and I think it does play a role. If you're a younger person, and I would even argue for for us older folks too, we have to be wary about being consumed by technology. Technology is a great tool, um, but but it can lead us astray, and, and you know this is why it's important not to simply rely on technology. If you're homebound, if you're sick, um, those kinds of things, um, streaming uh, church is fine, but it's not or the ordinary thing that we need to be doing. Um, also, there's a, a text here for uh, at, for this point about. Uh, you know, outside of the church, there's no ordinary possibility of salvation. Acts chapter two, verse forty-seven. Would someone like to uh, to grab that one? The short night's getting everyone. Yeah. So he, so well, I think if you look at the greater context there, they, so the people of God, the church of God was praising God, doing things. They were active in the community. 
you read beyond that, it talks about breaking all these things that they were doing. And in that, God was adding to their number daily. Um, and I, I think that's, again, important. We need to understand, and it even comes out in today's text. I don't know how many of you guys read. Um, I suspect Jonathan did because he, he was talking about uh, today's sermon text uh, in, uh, before Sunday school started. But even in that moment, um, God uses the Samaritan woman to call all those people in the town to come out and meet the Messiah, right? Um, she does that. Even in her, her uh, we would call it her immature state, right? Um, at this point, raise your hand if you've seen the movie Jesus Re Revolution. Okay, just a, a couple of us, okay? Um, in that movement, um, there was a lot of immature theology and new Christians, and yet God used them to bring a lot of people to Christ. Um, our, our goal ought to be, when people are confessing their sins and uh, confessing the Lord Jesus Christ, how do we help them grow into maturity, right? We, we want to be involved in that process. And... Uh, so, so again, it, I, what I'm really trying to drive home on this point is we can't live as Christians in isolation. So here's the deal. If God, by his great providence, has someone in our church or someone that you know that's a Christian who was shut in and unable to get to church, you have a call to go and minister to them, not just the minister, right? Go and be a blessing. Maybe you can make phone calls. I know that our church is somewhat geographically spread, right? Make phone calls. Uh, talk to people. If you know that someone is sick for a few weeks, are you reaching out? I encourage all of you to be looking about the congregation on Sunday mornings, or at least the end of church, right? Um, you know, but say, hey, who's missing? You know, send them a text. Maybe they're struggling emotionally. Maybe they're sick. Maybe they need something. Maybe they're, they're older and their uh, tire needs changing and they just need a young person to come help them with that. Whatever the case may be, we, we want to understand that we have a calling uh, to one another. Questions or comments on that? Uh, everybody pretty... Yes. So, so our sister here is just sharing for those of you that might be streaming that what, what she's talking about is how um, you know, the spirit was moving uh, in crusades, particularly with Billy Graham. One of the things that I would say about the Billy Graham crusades, my wife worked for the Billy Graham Association when we were in Bible college. And uh, 
I'll tell you um, that they always involved with, when they would select the site, you know, there'd be a two-year planning time leading into that where um, churches in that particular area would begin to pray and they, they had people, they tried to get as many local churches so that if John over here lives in Dundalk, what church in Dundalk can we send John to? Right? They, they weren't trying to merely get out there, they were trying to connect um, those folks to a particular local church. Um, we do know, as the scripture says in, in Peter, that uh, the judgment begins in the house of the Lord. So part of this is we need to have a heart of repentance. We need to be praying for um, repentance amongst ourselves, amongst the body of Christ on the whole, but also then be praying for the, the, the nations. Ask God to give them. God is the one who calls, right? He's the one that calls. He's, it's his spirit that enables, takes away the darkness so that people can understand and comprehend. And we need to be praying for that. Certainly here on Sundays, but also um, at home. And, you know, when, when, you know, are you praying, when you pray with your, your kids, um, perhaps at the table or whatever, are you praying for those things as well? Um, you know, the, in terms of even in your own household, do you pray for those that you know are sick in the church? this sort of thing with your kids, you're teaching them the, the centrality of the church. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, and go ahead. No, I was going to say, just is, is, are you finished with that particular point? Okay. And I think this is really important, too, because the scriptures also tell us that uh, even the demons believe, <laughs> right? But, but they've, been, they've been assigned their portion in hell, right? So um, there's a lot of people that believe in God, that, that believe in the Christian faith, but aren't professors of of uh, Jesus Christ, professors of the fact that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation and for the forgiveness of your sins. Go ahead.
Right, and and I think, you know, I, when I read that as well, I, I I had some thoughts there, but you know, for us, you know, we have a general post millennial view, an optimistic view that the nations will be discipled. That's what we see the scripture saying. To your point about in the eschaton, you know, the the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, right? And and so in its fullness, at the end of at the end of all time. Um, then uh, we will see um, so many people. But, um, yeah, Jesus is Lord even of uh, people who are not professors, if we want to use that term, right? Jesus is Lord over um, our president, over the mayor, over our, our House and Senate, right? Which is, we pray for them. Not, not you know, of course, we want them to repent, and come, come to the knowledge of, of God, we want them to be reconciled to God. We want them to do godly acts as the civil magistrate. But whether they know it or not, and whether they are in obedience to God or not, they are under King Jesus. And uh, you know, we need to, to recognize that. And I, of course, I always want to say this when, we, when thinking about that. You know, the calling of the church is to teach and disciple um, the people, but also to teach and instruct disciple the civil magistrate too right we're called to tell them hey this is what god's word says on these things um and then you know you have an obligation to be obedient to that yes sir Well, you, you are right. That is that is uh, part of why the CREC is more distinctive. And, and one of my exceptions to the Westminster is the distinction of the visible and invisible church, partially because the Scripture speaks in covenantal terms and doesn't speak in this these terms, these decretal terms. But you can be both decretal and covenantal at the same time. God calls, um, and, and um, at the same time we are... He has entered into a covenant with us, and there are both covenant obligations and um, covenant curses in that as well. And and so, um, I don't want to belabor the point, um, other than to say, in one sense, it is invisible because even today, while we're alive, I don't know the Christians in Ukraine except for maybe six, right? I know six guys because they're pastors that I know there but I don't know any of their other people. And yet, um, they are the the church. And I I am sufficient to say invisible in that way, but not, um, I don't want to get caught up in in trying to determine men's hearts, and and that's not my call. I can can make sure, um, like when we take David Bowling into membership today, you know, (laughs) you know, you know, Ken and I went and we visited, and we, we listen to his profession of faith, and you know we've 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 had discussions and talk with him, and, and you know we, we've examined. Okay, here's a person, and and as best that we can tell, here's a person that that loves Christ, is looking to Christ for the forgiveness of his sins, 
and is walking in obedience, right? So in that sense, um, he's visible to us in that. Uh, but I, I don't want to, you know, sometimes Reformed churches can get into this thing, and this is what happened in early America. And we got to wrap up because I already got the, the look in the back. But we, you know, we got the halfway covenant where people were trying to figure out, okay, you're, you're baptized, but I don't know if you can come to the Lord's table because we don't know that you're a Christian yet, trying to figure out, get into the minutia of every little thing, all the way to the point where there were people in their 30s and 40s, children of Christian families in their 30s and 40s where their parents hadn't decided if they were Christian enough or not to come to the Lord's table. It just gets to an absurdity. And so um, membership has a, a bar but it's, but it's not like, you know, we can know a man's heart. We need to hear their profession. We need to look at their life and see is it in conflict or not. And then we accept them, and we pray that the Lord continues the work that he's begun in them. All right, let us pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this day. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would be with those that are still on their way to church. We pray that you would bless us, prepare our hearts for worship, and the renewal of your covenant promises to us. We thank you for your great mercies to us in Jesus' name. Amen.